Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. Okay, so normally I do this big, jazzy, super-duper entrance, but unfortunately I can't do that tonight. Hi, Eric. Yeah, it, 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 between all this weather screwing with pretty much everybody and this weekend's games, which, um, yeah, yeah, about those, Harry. <laughs> My name is Harry Broadhurst, and I am a Buffalo Bills fan. My team lost to Eric's Jacksonville Jaguars on Wild Card Sunday. I hereby hope they get their asses handed to them by the Steelers this weekend. Uh, I'm giving that a 50-50 shot any given Sunday, but I'll take it. Hi, Brandon. Is this going to be Buffalo Bills fans anonymous all night? (laughs) No, I'm actually about to do the official one right now. Good (laughs) evening, everybody, as we are live to tape for the kickoff episode 20 here on the w2m network my name is harry broadhurst i am your host joining me as per usual my co-host brandon biscabing hello again and the international third man from miami ish <laughs> well jacksonville technically eric watkins <laughs> that's, from- very, that's a very far ish yeah <laughs> sean's from miami i had a moment there i spaced I'm about to say, I mean, I would like to be from Miami, but luck of the draw. An official good evening to everyone. Hey, hey, at least your team is in the playoffs. If you were from from Miami, uh, not so much. If you were from Miami, Miami, you won six games this year. (laughs) You you could be a Cowboys fan in Miami that didn't make the playoffs either. (laughs) (laughs) What? Now that you put it that way, I'm thankful. Uh, we kid because we care and we know he can't mute our microphones. <laughs> <laughs> and and I know I have no right to talk anyway, so. I mean, I can put the show on off. So. <laughs> yeah, but you won't. So go back to producing. Quiet, you. Hey, at least, you know. I'd rather not make the playoffs than lose in that shitty way you did. Can't even get more than three points. Language good, sir. But, Sean, you have to understand, if it's your first time in almost 20 years, of course it's going to be a terrible quickie. That's just how things go. Hey, I wouldn't be so quick to talk, uh, Mr. Eric. One team who hasn't made in 15 years. Um, yes, but I will point out something, and I saw this fact on Facebook earlier today in one of the memes that gets shared by one of the NFL pages, and I could not help but laugh. Yes, it had been 10 years since Jacksonville had been in the playoffs, but they still have twice as many wins as the Cowboys do since 1996. 
<laughs> exactly. Not right. to mention, we won that playoff year as well, winning in Pittsburgh. Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> yeah, you've heard the whole lightning strikes twice theory, right, right Eric? <laughs> mm-hmm. You probably had a much better quarterback back then <laughs> as well. David Garrard, uh, David Garrard, so yes and no. No, no, they did not have a better quarterback. Uh, he could they, throw more, you know, uh, I'd say better Garrard than Bortles. I'd say Garrard and Bortles are about a wash. Exactly. Yeah, so went Bortles there is better running, but... Yeah, we went there, won, and held tough in New England that year. I'm just saying. And I'm saying that this year that's not happening because this Pittsburgh team is loaded with weapons. Hmm. We'll get to predictions a little bit later on in the show. We do have other matters of business to attend to. And our first matter of business, as it always is here on the kickoff, it's time for studs and duds. I almost feel like I have to give an honorary stud to the entire team of the Jacksonville Jaguars, but specifically that defense. Mm. Mm. Defense That wasn't so so much Buffalo playing bad. That was Jacksonville playing well. Because Tyrod Taylor actually had a pretty good game until he got hit with a dirty tackle at the end of it. Yeah. Even I looked at that and I'm like, ah, Fowler might be in a little bit of trouble for that one. That was kind of bad. That being said, though, this is a Jacksonville defense that, despite Saxonville not running wild like you claimed they would, they only got to Taylor twice. Held, <laughs> held our running game in check, held our receivers to minimal gains and very little YAC, and held our offense to only three points. Yeah. I, I would say that would account for Saxonville, but I do have to give Buffalo credit because well, how you held Fournette in check and not to mention Bortles statistics, I, yeah, that was painful. Eighty-six <laughs> yards passing for Blake Bortles. In 87 let, let just, yards rushing. Let, let me just say one thing to Eric real quick. Um you better hope Bortles gets his act together when it comes to the weather because, uh, yeah, he was not doing very well with those passes into the wind. No, no, that, that that's what kind of gets me nervous, especially not just the fact that it's cold at Heinz Field, but the winds notoriously swirl. Ah, uh, that could lead to a very ugly day. Uh, Eric? Yeah, yes? My girlfriend happens to live just outside of the city. She's going to the game if she feels better. 25 and snow on Sunday. <laughs> All righty. Um, mm. Crap. <laughs> <laughs> Eric will start preparing the Jacksonville epitaph for next week's episode. But for now, let's get into the actuality of studs and duds here. Let's start with Eric. Yeah, my stud... Even with the Jaguars' wonderful performance, there was another, you could say, prettier game that happened just a short time later, which there wasn't a lot of hype, there wasn't a lot of buzz, and I could understand exactly why. But come halftime, the brand new flying Hawaiian, Tua Tagovailoa, comes in and says, 
here, Coach Saban, let me get you another national championship. First of all, try saying that name five times fast. Second <laughs> yeah, of all, that's a no. <laughs> continue. <laughs> uh, that, 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 yeah, no, no way. That's why everybody called him Tua, and I'm going to call him Tua. Granted, <laughs> he's no Kaipo, but still. We'll talk a little bit more about this game here in a few moments because I have something to say about it as well. That being said, Brandon, you're up for stud. My stud for the week is Derrick Henry in leading the Titans to that crazy come-from-behind win against Kansas City. 156 yards rushing and the big... uh, the the big go ahead well not quite go ahead but the the second to last touchdown uh before the end of the game a 35 yard rush to begin the fourth quarter and really put the momentum squarely in the hands of Tennessee which led them to gain the win at the end all right so time for my official stud here you ready yep ready 23 completions, 33 attempts, 376 yards, his sixth 300-yard passing game in the postseason. Two touchdowns and an interception. That would he's be a 30, 30 uh... He's 38 years old. That would be a certain quarterback from uh, the Big Easy. It would be a certain quarterback from the Big Easy. My stud this week, yet again, for I believe the third time this year, is the ageless wonder himself, Drew Brees. There's all this this talk about how Tom Brady is doing all these amazing things at the age of 40. And yes, I hate to admit it, but he has. But at the same time, let's not overlook the accomplishments of Breeze at the age of 38 down in the Big Easy as well. That would be an actually interesting Super Bowl matchup, the the duel of the ageless wonders. Yeah, the question is, is can the NFC South not choke a second time in a row? (laughs) <laughs> mm, yeah, that going up in Minnesota, don't you know? That's <laughs> trouble. Uh, I feel like there's a coach reference here. Rest in peace, Jerry Van Dyke, while we're at it. <laughs> but, um, no, I, I just, I feel like there's an upset brewing here. I genuinely feel that way. There is an upset brewing here. I could see it. Possible. I got to give it a possibility. <clears throat> to Minnesota, granted, the Vikings have everything to play for with the Super Bowl being at home this year. But this is a Minnesota team that is loaded with weapons. Yeah, especially fights. the modern incarnation of that purple people leader's defense. But the firepower on this New Orleans offense is scary. Breeze, Camara. Ingram, Fleener, Thomas, Ginn. Mm-hmm. There are weapons all over the field. The question will be is can the New Orleans defense stand up? Because they did allow 26 to Carolina in this wild card game. In my opinion, the best wild card game of the weekend. Oh, oh yes. hands down. Hands down. 
the the Tennessee Kansas City game was interesting for the shock factor of it all. Specifically, Kansas City blowing the twenty one to three lead. Jacksonville Buffalo was the game with the most rooting interest on this show for obvious reasons. And, and also, it was just a fun old school defensive game. And then the Atlanta Los Angeles game, which, by the way, Eric, there is some crow to be eaten there. Oh. Uh, I got to break out the garlic pepper again. Damn you, Falcons. <laughs> we I both just... called it. We said the experience factor or lack thereof for L.A. would bite them it, in the butt. It's exactly what Brandon just said. I trust an experienced Matt Ryan over an inexperienced Jarrett Goff in the postseason. And now we're going to find out this weekend if the same thing holds true when it comes to the divisional finals in all four games. We'll talk about those in a few moments. Let's go ahead and flip the script here and move over to our duds for the weekend. Eric? Speaking of wild card games, speaking of performances, speaking of comebacks. Dun, dun, dun. Dramatic reverb. If you were in a position... When you have a double-digit lead, and I have seen this happen on multiple occasions just as the calendar flipped to 2018, you don't go conservative. You know your strengths. You ram it down the other team's throat because it's win or go home. One Andy Reid. You have a rookie of the year caliber running back. You have a very capable quarterback. You have a dynamic wide receiver. Why do you all of a sudden go conservative offense just because you have a three-score lead at home? Look what happens. Andy Reid, you did it again, and therefore you are my dud. I, I saw an interesting fact on one of those, like I said, that NFL memes thing on Facebook. And if you guys aren't following it, then I highly recommend that you do so. There have been ones that I don't like on there, uh, but there have been a couple of really good informative ones as well. And one of the ones this week that they post this week that they posted after the wildcard games is there have been four 18 plus point leads blown in the postseason. Andy Reid has two of them. Yep. The rest of the National Football League ever has two. <laughs> yeah. That, that that should just tell you pretty much everything you need to know right there. Well, I, I'm going to stick on the same game, same team. Just flip the script. And my dud for the week is the Kansas City Chiefs defense in the second half just absolutely going from being a very solid uh, defense, only allowing three points in the first half, to suddenly allowing this debacle where they give up, let's see, 21 points, or 19 points, excuse me, in the second half, and thus losing the game for the Chiefs. See, that's just as much on the offense as it is the defense, though. You can't go scoreless in the second half and expect to do that. I'll agree with that, but, you know, I still think an 18-point lead should be safe, you know, with a competent defense. Well, I mean, I guess that depends on your definition of competent as well. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, even then, if you see a team that's coming back, the best way to control that 
you control the ball. You have oh, I agree with that. long, sustained drives. So, ugh. I'm actually going to talk about the game that Eric discussed for his stud. And I'm going to mention the fact that apparently choking away second half leads is a big thing in Georgia this time of year. <laughs> Although technically the game, no, the game was in Georgia, so this, this holds. Yep, this was in Atlanta. Bulldogs. Why? 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 <laughs> Live by the comeback, die by the comeback. The one time in my life I found myself rooting for you guys and you let me down. <laughs> 13 to 3. 20 to 10. What do these numbers have in common, Eric? They were the score when Georgia had the lead in the second half of the championship game. 26 to 23. What does that score mean to you? That was the final score after the tremendous throw by my stud in overtime, which was against terrible coverage. Yet again, I reiterate, why? Congratulations, Georgia, you lead-blowing jackasses. You are officially my dud for the week. Oh, and think of it this way. You get to go through this all over again next year. <laughs> yeah, but next year we at least have a somewhat competent coach to help with that. True, but imagine if the SEC championship game, Georgia-Alabama in Atlanta, the rematch? <laughs> if, I don't know that Georgia's coming out of the East. I think they are, but so do I. The Florida ain't going to be a 4-7 and seven program next year. I'm going to tell you that right now. Four and seven, but no, you're going to be the nice, mediocre six and six ish thereabouts. I'll give them eight and four. (laughs) I hope Clemson bitch slaps you. Well, they've already done it twice, so (laughs) 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 kind of used to that for the time being. All right, so let's go ahead and move out of studs and duds, and let's get into our weekly news segment here on the kickoff. So, that happened, and Brandon, since you're the one that brought this to my attention, I'm going to let you go ahead and go first with this. Yeah, um, rumors are stating right now that New England defensive coordinator is about to sign with... Well, not about to, but the rumors right now are that they will, uh, that he will be the new Giants head coach. The defensive coordinator has a name. It's Matt Patricia. Yes, there we go. (laughs) AKA the bearded wonder. Uh, Beard beard recognizes beard, and that's a solid one. I ain't going to (laughs) lie. Truth. Eric. With the rumor being that Patricia going to the Giants here and the big rumor being that the offensive coordinator, whose name is escaping me at the present moment. Josh McDaniels. McDaniels. I know him well. That's it, McDaniels. Possibly going to Detroit in the offseason. Does this lend any more credence to the conversation we had last week about this being the end for Belichick in New England? 
I absolutely think so. Now, I'm a little bit iffy on them actually winning the Super Bowl this year, but if they do decide, if they do steamroll Tennessee Saturday night, which I believe they will, that will loan a bit more confidence to that. And I think that winning the title would be an even bigger motivating factor than it already is. Because if Belichick gets another ring, he's just going to ride out onto the ride out into the sunset, come on down to Florida and play golf. It'll just be done. He's already making his exit strategy and pretty much laying waste to the on-field product of the organization. So they'll just finish the job. Brandon, your thoughts on Matt Patricia possibly being your coach? I mean, I'm certainly okay with it. The Giants have done well with defensive-minded coaches in the past. So comes um, to what? Jim Fossil comes to mind. Exactly. Exactly. Um, even Tom Coughlin, while he was more of an offensive-minded or an offensive-minded coach, he did have a solid defensive game plan. A, a group, albeit. Steve Spagnuolo certainly helped, and I'm hoping that Spagnuolo stays on as the defensive coordinator with whoever they sign as the head coach. But, um, yeah, I mean, two defensive minds, um, maybe get some help in, on the defensive line and in the linebacker core uh, in the offseason with the draft and everything. I think this team can be a solid team. I mean, they're going to have some work cut out for them, especially with a new system and everything, but I think they, they'll certainly do better than they did this year, that's for sure. Yeah, I don't I, think this, I don't think this is a three win team. No. No. Certainly uh, not be. There was a combination of poor coaching decisions. Again, you guys stepped in Macadoodoo <laughs> and injuries to arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL and some of the better defensive players in the NFL as well. Not and the their, basically their entire wide receiver core was destroyed because not only did OBJ go down, uh, Brandon Marshall also went down. Let's also not forget too the relative underperformance of one of the people who is widely considered to be one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL and Jason Pierre Paul this year. Yes. Yes. So there were a lot of things that went into the very uh, craptastic season of the Giants. So I, I don't think this is going to be a three-win team next year. The question is whether or not you guys will have the firepower to turn it completely around. And I think a lot of that's going to depend on what happens with your quarterback situation. I don't think they're going to – I mean, in terms of the quarterback situation, I think as long as – Eli is healthy and everything. I think it's his job to lose. I don't think they should be going down the path. Although I think, I think Eli would be much more mature than Tom Brady is. But um, you know, I don't. I I think that it's Eli's job until he says, you know, I'm willing to step aside. Well, I mean, it was pretty much benching Eli that cost Ben McAdoo his job. Well, exactly. So you got to think that the management for the Giants is firmly in the, on the side of Eli Manning. The question is, is whether or not Eli Manning still feels that way and is willing to stick around to find out because there will be other opportunities for Eli. I, and think, so as long, I think as long as they, um, as long as they so sign a head coach, 
early enough and they sit Eli down with the head coach and say, it's your job to lose. We may or may not sign a quarterback early on in the draft, but if we do, it's mostly just so that he can sit and learn. It's still your job to lose, or it's still your job until, you know, for how, however long you want. As long as they say that, I think he stays. All right, so let's go ahead and move on here from conversations of coaching. And we'll get more and more on the coaching carousel during the offseason when there's less and less on-field product to talk about. But ESPN has released their way-too-early top 25 for 2018. And I'm going to read off the top 10 to you guys, and I want to know if there's anything that stands out to you as you strongly agree or disagree one way or another here. Okay. Number one is Alabama. I don't think that can be argued. No. Number two is Clemson, which I find is a curious choice. It doesn't surprise me. Given this year and given their schedule, especially the ACC, I can make a case for that. I can. Much of the Tigers' offense returns in 2018. One burning question. Uh, Credit, um, hold on one second here. Credit Mark Slaybach, ESPN senior writer. Slaret? Slaybach, not not Stink. Oh, okay. Not, Not Not the former Denver offensive lineman. Oh, okay. One burning question. Can Kelly Bryant... Um, technical difficulties aside, we continue on with the comment here of Ken quarterback Kelly Bryant hold off incoming freshman Trevor Lawrence, the number one pocket passer and number two overall player in the ESPN 300. It appears that we have a quarterback controversy brewing in Clemson here. And you know what they say, Eric, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. And this is very true, but if you look at uh, what Dabo Sweeney was able to do, especially after Bryant went down against Syracuse, he gave all three quarterbacks time, and eventually you see the perfect result. So I think Kelly Bryant, he's going to build into the Sean Watson 2.0, and I think that it's still his job to lose. So I don't expect much of a controversy there. Yeah, I completely agree with Eric here, um, especially with how well Kelly Bryant did throughout the whole season, especially considering everyone was expecting this to be kind of a down year for Clemson without that, or without, uh, without Deshaun Watson. I, I think it's his job to lose, hands down. Number three is Ohio State. Completely disagree with this assessment. I mean, I agree. I agree with it until I'm proven wrong. I mean, I think Wisconsin will certainly be a team that will be in contention. But I mean, I I think I could totally see Ohio State coming out for revenge and everything and and making a big run. Unless, of course, Urban Meyer decides to go elsewhere. Oh, I have just two words that will determine Ohio State. And I completely, at least for the time being, disagree with this ranking. 
J.T. Barrett. He's gone. Mm-hmm. Urban Myers had success and had a bumper crop of quarterbacks with the Buckeyes, but we haven't seen a sample of any of them that's supposed to be Barrett's replacement. That is a tremendous question mark when you're talking about a Big Ten record holder and someone who ascended to the pantheon of quarterbacks in that conference's history. Yeah, let's not forget here that Barrett is now the all-time Big Ten leader in touchdowns responsible. Let me repeat that to you. Regardless of position, Barrett is the all-time Big Ten leader in touchdowns responsible. Not to mention he broke Drew Brees' passing record or passing yardage record, if I remember correctly. Not only are they losing JT Barrett, they're also losing all Big Ten center Billy Price as well. Oh, that's going to be a problem. That's a problem. So not only are you going to have a new quarterback behind center, probably Dwayne Haskins, who played in the Michigan game when Barrett got hurt and stunk you're going to have a new person snapping him the ball as well. So there's going to be a question of chemistry immediately. Yeah, I completely disagree with this ranking. There's another team from the Big Ten East that's ranked high up too. They're 11th, so we won't touch on them. So I'll talk about them in a second here once we finish Ohio State. But I disagree with their rating being as high as it is as well. Yeah, Ohio State, there's just way too much that they're losing. I mean, I could maybe justify top 15 because of Haskins' performance, but third is a wait, no. I mean, while in reality I agree with you guys, I mean, we all know that the the rankings are just jokes anyway. (sighs) We're not doing this again, Brandon. I know. I'm just putting in my two cents. All right. The other team that I was going to mention since they're outside of the top 10 here is Penn State, who they have ranked 11th. I'm sorry. You do not re- you do not lose Saquon Barkley and stay in the top 15. No. no. Maybe top 20. I don't care how good Trace McSorley is by himself next year. With him not having Saquon Barkley in that backfield to protect him, McSorley is going to be running for his life. Yeah, that's why I would say i put him in the top 20, maybe on the lower end, like in 18, 19. I'd live with that, but you're right. 11, that's a little too reputation-based. We'll talk – I mean, obviously we'll get more and more into the conversation about the college football rankings once we get closer and closer to the launch of the new version of the W2M Top 25. That'll be probably towards the end of July into August, I would assume. Number four is Oklahoma. Uh, again, completely disagree. No Baker Mayfield. They have Kyler Murray taking over as the starting quarterback, the former Texas A&M Aggie. Ah, uh, mm. no, no. I mean, it worked for TCU with Kenny Hill. Yeah, but at the same time, Kenny Hill was also starting at TCU before he decided to transfer, or starting at A and M. Excuse me, before he decided to transfer. 
you saw flashes of his talent. That's where he earned the nickname Kenny Trill after Johnny Football left. Brandon, number five is Georgia. Yeah, that one, I I certainly think that they're going to be a threat. Um, I think... I, I definitely think the SEC championship game is going to be at, at or Alabama-Georgia next year. Um, not sure if they're going to do what they did this year and put both of them in regardless. But... Um, you know, I certainly think that's going to be the SEC championship game next year. Here's the big question for Georgia, Eric. Losing both of their running backs. Are DeAndre Swift and Elijah Holifield, the son of the champ, ready to step up and replace Nick Chubb and Sonny Michelle? Those are tremendously big shoes to feel. I mean, once we get to the G-Day game, I hope there's going to be at least some sort of flashes to where we can get an early idea, but uh, it's losing such a prolific duo. I don't think they're going to match those expectations early on. And now that Jake Fromm is going to be the guy as a sophomore, there's going to be more pressure on him in 2018. Maybe. I mentioned the fact that the incoming uh, the incoming quarterback at Clemson was the number two player in the ESPN 300. Incoming quarterback at Georgia, Justin Fields, is the number one overall player in the ESPN 300. Uh, so I wouldn't say that that job is guaranteed to Jake Fromm just yet. Well, I wouldn't say it's guaranteed, but I would put him as the odds-on favorite. I would agree with that. Yes. Yeah. We talked about these guys last week, and we I stand by their statement here, especially given the fact that their schedule allows for relatively easy terms until they get to the Big Ten. That would once again be Wisconsin. The only real big loss is the tight end, Troy Fumagalli. They're really going back to be Jonathan Taylor and quarterback Alex Hornibrook will be back. They're really going to be playing for revenge next season because uh, after what happened in a certain game that shall not be named on this podcast, um, they feel like they 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 feel like they were snubbed by the committee. So I really think they're going to step up and try to do everything they can to non-conference blow everybody out of the water. And kind of repeat what they did in the Big Ten. And really, looking at the chaos that is the Big Ten East, I think Wisconsin, if you put a gun to my head right now, I would pick them to win the Big Ten next year. Interesting notification here at the bottom of the Wisconsin write-up, though, is the fact that the Big Ten schedule is significantly tougher for Wisconsin this year. Well, I, I still I'm I, I'm still picking Wisconsin to win the Big East West or the Big Ten West, rather. Let me run this by you, Brandon, before you say that for a fact. You ready? Okay. At Iowa, that is a hellish place to play. Ask Ohio yeah. State; they'll tell oh, you. True. At the Big House. Okay. At Northwestern, their con their their um in division rivalry game. Mm-hmm. And they have to go to Happy Valley as well. I mean, yeah, it's going to be a tough schedule, but I think they have the 
quality of team to do it. And I think they could, at the very least, split those four games. Now, granted, it would knock them out of playoff contention, but that could still create a little bit of a mess in the Big Ten because you like even look at the Big Ten West between the likes of Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan. East. If Ohio, yeah, if Ohio State has a down year, that Big Ten East is up for grabs. And who's to say that Wisconsin doesn't set up a rematch, goes to Indianapolis and handles business? Yeah. Number seven is the University of Miami at Florida. Hmm. Eric, you're the one in the know here. What are your thoughts on this team looking forward to next season? I think that we've got a lot more chemistry. We're not losing too many big players. And I actually saw the documentary 89 Blocks that features wide receiver Jeff Williams and how he did his senior season in high school. Major contributor. Seven, I can understand. If they can keep everything together and not tail off towards the end of the season, with what CMR has built, they can live up to that. Key losses are Mark Walton and Braxton Berrios. Berrios is going to be more of a loss because of his versatility. Well, not to mention you guys barely had Walton for the second half of the season. Exactly. So with him, that's not going to be a major factor, but the Barrios loss is. But All right. I trust Coach in his recruiting, so I'm willing to give a bit of a benefit of the doubt. All right, we've ran a little bit longer with this than I thought we would, so let's go ahead and just run through the last three in the top ten real quick. They are Wisconsin, or excuse me, Washington, Michigan State, and West Virginia. They are really heavy on the Big Ten East here. Three teams from the Big Ten East inside of the top 11, if you count Penn State. Well, that could, that, that could certainly help Wisconsin and the rest of the Big Ten moving forward next year, where it's, based, it's a lot like the SEC now, where because they're ranked so high, those wins mean more than they would otherwise. But it's also, that's a double-edged sword because those wins will mean so much more, but that means they're going to beat the ever-living crap out of each other. That doesn't matter in college football. All I'm saying is this year we've really seen what the committee will do. I agree with that, but that's what I'm saying. If a team can win all but one of their games, then they're basically a shoe-in into the playoffs no matter what, as long as the rest of those teams keep those rankings. For those of you wondering, the highest-rated group of five team is Boise State at 17th. That makes sense. That makes sense. Central Florida is 21st, which is frankly a joke. Yeah, without Scott Frost, I no, I'm sorry. No Scott Frost, no Shaquem Griffin. No, mm-mm. And a tougher out-of-conference schedule. I'm calling it right now. They're going to get pimp-slapped by Florida Atlantic. 
Oh, yeah. Lane Train is going to run over them, and they're going to be tied to the tracks. All right. Do we have anything else to discuss and so that happened? Do you guys have anything else that you've seen that you would like to add to the conversation here? Okay. I just want to throw this out there. Tom Brady, stop with all of this Instagram crap and making this documentary. You are not human. You go back to modeling on boots, doing whatever with your wife and playing football. Just go away. How 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 very thorough of you! <laughs> I did just did I, I, between that post talking about I am the storm and all of this imagery of a foggy night and hearing about this documentary made by Deepak Chopra's son and all this and that. I'm just like my God, stop! <laughs> I only want to see you on my TV on Sundays, and even then. I don't want to have to do that sober. Go away! Wait this last month or so before you go off into misery and eventually retire. Make this peaceful for me. Brandon, anything else to add? Uh, no, I don't think I have anything else to add. I feel like we're officially... Actually, yes, I do. Um... Just a quick shout out to uh, UCF for doing exactly what I've been saying this whole time. That'll officially wrap up college football for this year on the kickoff. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk coaching carousel and such in the offseason, but the actual in-game product is over for the year. And it was Thank a fun- God. It was a fun first year covering it here on the kickoff, but now we focus on the national football well, you know the rest. <laughs> I ain't trying to get sued. Um, I went two and two. Eric? Oh, uh, let's see. You had Kansas City, the Rams, Jacksonville, and New Orleans, correct? Yes. So I also went two and two. Thanks, I did, I, I did the best out of all of you. Yeah, Brandon went three and one because he's a dirty, rotten cheater. <laughs> hey, hey, you know what's the funny part about all this, though? Is that the one game that we all expected to be the sh- the foregone conclusion was the one we all got wrong. Yeah, because that foregone conclusion turned into another Andy Reid choke job. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Are you guys ready to continue this nonsense for the for the second round, the divisional round of the playoffs? Sure, let's I am. All right, uh, Eric, we're going to start with you. And the match we're going to start with is the Saturday 4 o'clock game, and that would be, if I am not mistaken, is that Minnesota or is that Philly? No, that's Philly. Nope, that's Philly. Philly. So that'll be Atlanta and Philly on NBC, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Honestly, given what Atlanta did and proving me wrong, am I going to sit here in my chair and do the dirty bird? Oh, hell no. But is this game going to give more reason for Philadelphia's fans to 
renew a 50-year-old tradition and throw snowballs at people? Absolutely. I think Matt Ryan, Devontae Freeman, and this offense, they're really going to be able to control the game. And this is where Eagles fans and the Eagles team are really going to miss Carson Wentz. As good as Nick Foles is, especially in the regular season, he doesn't quite show up come January and February. Yeah, even with Carson Wentz, I still would have had a difficult decision on this one just because of, you know, the way um, the Falcons handled their business against another rookie quarterback last week and the the rookie factor here as well. Um, but between... Foles is far from a rookie, sir. No, I'm not talking about Foles. I'm saying even I'm saying even if Wentz were playing. Oh, okay. Yeah, he would be the same year as Goff. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. My uh, mistake. But but with Foles now, Foles is not a playoff caliber quarterback. Um and between all of that, the the Falcons being fresh, whereas the Eagles had a week to sit there and and wait for their opponent. Um, yeah, I'm I'm going with the Falcons here. I'm going to make it three for three. Oh God, that means that we're that that means that they're going to lose now. No, because I think all three of us took New Orleans, didn't we? Mm, yes. I believe so. Um, Because I think Eric considered taking Carolina, but ended up taking New Orleans. Yeah, I thought about it, but I I said Carolina did not have the momentum going into that game, and I trusted New Orleans. Okay, never mind. And we did take one that – we did all take one that did end up up coming right. I tend to disagree with your reasoning here, Brandon, because I feel like Carson Wentz would be much better prepared into this game than Jarrett Goff was for Atlanta because Carson Wentz would have had the extra week to prepare for facing Atlanta. I'll agree with that, but I still think that the the rookie factor and, you know, the the pressure factor of the playoffs would, would kick in. There was no part of this year where Carson Wentz looked like he was having any kind of difficulty with that Philadelphia offense, though. True, but we've seen it in the past, and we saw it last week with golf. That being said, Matt, especially as a rookie quarterback, the the pressure gets amped up in the playoffs, and it affects. That being said, Matt Ryan's nickname is Matty Ice for a reason. Unless it's a Super Bowl game, that dude is on. And I see no reason to feel otherwise against an admittedly much better Philadelphia defense than Rams defense. I think it's a close game. I think it's an entertaining game. But I think I think that the Falcons win this one and put the National Football Conference Championship game in. Well, I guess we'll just have to wait till we get to Sunday's games to find out, won't we? Mm-hmm. The Saturday night game on CBS is the first home game on the road to the Super Bowl this year for TB12 and the New England Patriots as they host the Tennessee Titans. Don't sleep on the Titans, guys. This is a Tennessee team with a ton of momentum after that comeback victory in Kansas City. That being said, you're not going to win at Arrowhead and Foxborough back-to-back. It's just not happening. 
Yeah, no. no. Patriots win. Yeah. Yeah, this while Tennessee has something going on, they're not doing that twice. In what, what, every- watch now watch. Now that we're saying this and we're completely overlooking it, the, the Titans are gonna win again. Maybe that's what we want to happen. <laughs> we as in who? Unless dot dot dot. <laughs> dun dun dun. Dramatic reverb. <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, let's give this game a little bit more attention here because I don't I don't want to do this a disservice here. Uh, Tennessee does have a ton of momentum coming into this game after their spectacular comeback against Kansas City. That being said, Eric, agree or disagree? They're going to have to play the game of their season to beat New England in Foxborough. I completely agree because even though this isn't the New England defense that we've seen at their peak – I mean, Belichick knows, okay, we've got to shut down Derrick Henry. All right, we got to look at Delaney Walker. Okay, maybe we can let Eric Decker beat us. We've seen what he's able to do with his time at the Jets. Belichick and Matt Patricia on defense can plot and see better than anybody. And I think McDaniels probably has a trick or two up his sleeve for how to handle Tom Brady in the offense going up against that Titans defense, which, let's just say, they got still lacked in the first half. Yeah, uh, Tennessee cannot start how they did against Kansas City and expect to have any kind of a chance against New England here. Kansas City blew a couple of the opportunities that they had in the first half of that game. New England will not make those same mistakes. Absolutely not. That's not what they do. And even if they do make that really one rare mistake, sorry, I don't count on Tennessee to fully capitalize. All right, let's move to the Sunday games then, shall we? Yep. Eric, I'm going to go first here against my better judgment. This the is- the CBS 1 o'clock game on Sunday is Jacksonville at Pittsburgh. You know, this is one of those games where I'm really, really torn. There's a part of me that sees the obvious, and there's a part of me that sees a different kind of obvious. And I have said this in the past. These two teams are not going to look at what happened in their last games. Pittsburgh is not going to look at this film, Jacksonville and Buffalo. They're going to go back to when they met early on in the season and the defense tagged Roethlisberger for five interceptions. Tomlin, while not known for making a whole whole bunch of changes... He knows what to do, and more importantly, Roethlisberger knows what to do to make those tweaks. That said, this Jaguars defense has shown up being for real in the playoffs. Doug Marone is used to playing defense late in the season in cold weather, so I don't see that being too much of a problem. I think it's going to be another low-scoring game. The Jaguars are not going to get quite that repeat performance. 
but they are going to hold Roethlisberger and offensive coordinator Todd Haley in check. Little bit more time studying and game planning, a little bit less time getting into bar fights. I say this reluctantly, but I've got faith and I'm going to stick with it. Jaguars win. Brandon? Yeah, I'm in the same exact boat as Eric here. I'm looking at this game. Both great defenses. Um, I think, again, like Eric said, this is going to be a ve- another very low-scoring game. I don't think either team's going to score more than 10. Mm, uh, I disagree, but go ahead. And... I want to say the Jaguars are going to win this game, but I think the key, and I know they're going to work on it throughout practice this whole week, um, but especially being in, in the Steel City and everything and and colder weather, with how Bortles was playing last week in warmer weather, albeit it was windy, yes, but... He was not doing very well on his throws this past week against Buffalo. I'm going to say that the Steelers just edge out a nail-biter. I kind of gave away my prediction for this match a little bit earlier in the show, but I'm going to go ahead and go into more in-depth reasons right now. Yes. Jacksonville went into Pittsburgh in week five and dominated the Steelers, but this was a Steelers team that had not yet found their footing. True. This was a Steelers team that at the time of that Jacksonville loss, I believe was two and three after that game. Mm-hmm. Or excuse me, three and two after that game, and then proceeded to lose one game the rest of the season. Also true. Mm-hmm. This is a Ben Roethlisberger that is much more comfortable with his not playing like a rookie receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. A Le'Veon Bell who will be well-rested. And an Antonio Brown who, from everything I have heard, will be cleared and ready to go come Sunday. This is a Jacksonville offense who sputtered horribly against Buffalo this past Sunday, and Pittsburgh's defense is way better than Buffalo's is this year. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I will contend that with one wild card. Have you noticed a little, at the very least, a little bit of a drop-off since Ryan Shazier's injury? I will agree with that. However, I think the Shazier factor actually plays a role on Sunday because I believe Shazier will be at the game. Oh, just I would hope so. Right up in the booth waving his terrible towel. They're gonna uh, want to put on not a- exactly, sir. So that's why, look, I not I registered my reluctance, and I don't know who they're going to match up on Smith-Schuster, or are they going to put Ramsey on A.B.? That's also another very important factor. That's why I disagree with Brandon. I don't think it's going to be 10. I would say this is maybe closer to being first to 20. That's more reasonable. I'm going to say 27-21. Okay. But I am picking Pittsburgh. Uh, Fair. Fair. 
<laughs> I just don't see, like, especially with how poorly he played last week, I just don't know if the Jaguars have enough firepower in that offense to get that many points up. Oh, trust me. I think that's going to be the main point of emphasis because God only knows with uh, the different quarterback situations going on and especially with different coordinators and things, Blake Bortles knows he's going to be on this team in 2018, but this is another audition to see whether or not he can be the starter. True. There's there are going to be a lot of little stories to this game that will determine the big overall story. To me, though, I, it's that to me though, it's that I don't think the Jacksonville defense can do as good of a job stopping the Pittsburgh offense as the Pittsburgh defense will do with the Jacksonville offense. But I, I think this is going to be the most entertaining game of of the week. This but, is going to be old school playoff football, old school, and that's old. what makes this perfect. That takes us to our final playoff game of the weekend, which I actually do think will be the most entertaining game of the weekend, and that will be New Orleans and Minnesota. This is a much-improved Saints defense. And as I mentioned, this is a Saints offense loaded with firepower. Powder? Sure, let's go with it. Loaded with firepower. (laughs) Why not? Now, I will say this much. Minnesota has been the top-ranked defense in the NFL this season, and for good reason. The Purple People Eaters are back in Minnesota, no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. But this is Drew Brees in a postseason game. You do not hold Drew Brees in a postseason game in check. It can't be done. Mm-hmm. I trust Drew Brees way more than I trust Case Keenum. The NFC Championship game is in Nolens next week as the Saints take down the Vikings. Uh, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. The thing with Case Keenum, and there's already reports, if offensive coordinator Pat Shermer takes a head coaching job, Case Keenum may go with them. He's gotten on such a level of comfort such a level of trust. Now, keep in mind, they don't even have and haven't had their best running back. They've been able to, thanks to Jared, guys like Jared McKinnon, piece together a fairly decent running game. And with a deep threat, threat in Stephon Diggs and a Wes Welker, Danny Amendola type, down the middle threat, slot receiver-ish, and Adam Thielen. I think that Case Keenum is going to get a little bit of early momentum, and that could help see him through. Because I trust not just the Purple People leaders, but that front seven. Yes, they may be able to not put Drew Brees in check, but... You've got to think. They can at least slow down Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram. If you can slow them down and put the pressure on Drew Brees, 
that's really going to show whether or not he is an ageless wonder. I think Minnesota takes this one in another close one. We're yeah. in your tiebreaker here. Yeah, um, I mean, you make a lot of good points, Eric. Um, I think this game, this de- this game definitely has the most storylines in terms of you know the Vikings are trying to keep the dream alive of of playing in their home stadium for the Super Bowl. The Saints with Drew Brees and being the ageless wonder, all of that. Uh, but I. While I agree with you, Eric, and you know the purple people ears are a great defense and all of that, I I think Drew Brees pulls it out, makes another huge game, and and the Saints move on. All right, so if we're in agreement, Brandon, that means we both think that the NFC title game is in New Orleans. The NFC title game is in New Orleans, and the AFC title game is in New England. Yes. That would have to make that would have to make Brady versus Brady versus Breeze the favorite for both of us, wouldn't it? Given that they're the home teams for those respective games. Oh yes, definitely. Eric, you have the AFC Conference Championship game in New England as well, but you have Jacksonville as the challenger, and then you have the NFC title game in Minnesota. Uh huh. I stuck with that at the beginning of the playoffs. I'm sticking with it now. <laughs> I mean, I know it would be an easier ride to the title game and to the Super Bowl for Tom Brady, especially the fact that this may be the last run of the triumvirate. In Minnesota, they've had conversations, and they've admitted they've had conversations about being the first team ever to host the Super Bowl. I just hope that they can keep it together long enough and not cave under their own pressure. Yeah, and I I think especially in the NFC, um, the the theme of well, the theme of the whole playoffs, but especially uh, this week is you know experience against youth. Last week experience more or less won out. I think we see more of the same this week. I, uh, you and I are both in agreement on that. I, I, I like Marcus Mariota, but he's not ready to go into Foxborough in January. No. I, I mean, Bortles has been around for a while now, so you can't really call him inexperienced. You can call him underperforming, just not inexperienced. True. Case Keenum, I think, is the deciding factor here. I think Drew Brees outplays Case Keenum on Sunday. Yeah. Nick Foles and Matt Ryan there, you got to go with the playoff experience of Matt Ryan there. Yep. Especially the fact that they Atlanta has cemented, win or lose in Philadelphia, the Super Bowl hangover is over. Mm-hmm. They want another crack at it. And they very specifically and very impressively put the Rams in their place on Saturday night. Oh, yes, I feel like we should have more to talk about, but we really don't. This is the problem with these end-of-year shows. There's not a whole lot to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yes, this I is mean, we the- talked a lot, and so that happened, so... 
Yes, this is the time where it's all about coordinators and coaches being hired and fired as the calendar turns from playoffs to hockey to basketball and pitchers and catchers. First of all, playoffs? (laughs) Nobody had done it this week, so I figured I had to. We're getting down to it being very serious now, gentlemen. There are only eight teams left in the running for the title. Yep. I I do want to bring up this thing about uh, just to show the difference between the teams when they played week one. Sam Bradford was the quarterback. The Saints were putting Adrian Peterson out there. And Mm -hmm. Kobe Fleener was the lead receiver. So two (laughs) very different teams. Uh, that you're looking at now with the the duo running backs that were not there for the Saints, and then of course Keenum's the the quarterback now for the well, Vikings. Well, was there? He just hadn't been established yet. I think Ingram was injured, was he not? Yeah, I'm just saying both of them were not factors in that game. Is is what I mean? Will you be making your picks on football to the max this weekend, Sean? We already did make ours. Uh, oh well, on the you Tuesday show. Well, well, why don't you chime in here and give us your picks as well? Well, I had Vikings and Falcons, so. Uh, mine and in the AFC? And I had uh, Patriots-Steelers, because that seems like destiny. That seems like destino? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I have Steelers and Vikings at the Super Bowl myself. But. I'm not giving away any of those picks until we get to conference championship Sunday. Hmm. Well, I mean, obviously, it depends on who gets there. Yeah, I got to sure. say, I, I will give a hint. For those of you that listened to Football to the Max, a lot of my predictions from here on out, for the most part, still in play. Yeah, my conference championship game is happening this week, so that's the only difference for me. But it should be a good one, hopefully. Oh yeah, this is this is the fun time of year. We'll see what ends up happening here as the call as the college football playoff season has wrapped, and the National Football League season is coming to a conclusion with the playoffs here, gentlemen. It has been a fun time here. I look forward to the conference title game discussion next week, as well as talking about the divisional games that were this weekend. Eric, where else can they find you on the W2M Network? Well, you can find me uh, slightly slaving away, W2Mnetwork.com. Within the coming months, Sean and I will have our World Cup previews as we're counting down just about five months away from there. I, I went in on the predictions for the record. Okay. Oh, that's different. We'll do a whole roundtable thing for that. Oh, okay. Carry on. Those are individual team previews that we're doing. Mm Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Carry on. Oh, you can also hear Sean and myself on Football to the Max as well as Soccer to the Max. Uh, I'm still trying to procure the proper equipment I need to get everything together to do what I will call... The season two slash catch up make a tacular a point of viewer because needless to say there's been a bunch of shenanigans. 
And you can also find my musings as I have come back into the fold at RaiderRamble.com. Brandon, I know that you have something in the works here for the WTOM Network with Jason Teasley. Yes, me and Jason are going to do a fantasy football roundtable called Fantasy Football to the Max um, starting the weekend after the Super Bowl. So um, we'll probably just do a quick show for the season at large and then get get ramped up during the uh, draft season and then really start it up in August. For drafts and and all of that, and then uh, you and I still need to figure out a time for when we're going to start our Mo- Monday Night War show, and then uh, I chime in here and there on SmackDown Live review and Two Hundred Five Live review and wherever I'm needed. So, as mentioned by Brandon, there we are working on how the war was won. A look back at the wrestling Monday Night Wars that will be coming eventually. We hope <laughs> sooner rather than later. Yes. In addition, we also have the SmackDown and Two Hundred Five Live reviews here on the WTOM Network. Myself and my co-host Miss Liz Puglisi. Wrestling Unwrapped returns with the Royal Rumble reaction show on the twenty eighth. And you can also find me on Monday nights doing the Raw Reaction with 411Mania's Tony Acero and Chairshot Radios and the Chairshot.com's Andrew Ballas. So, for Eric Watkins, Brandon Biscoving, and our executive producer, Sean Garmer, my name is Harry Broadhurst. You have been listening to The Kickoff, Episode 20, here on the W2M Network, available online at W2Mnet.com. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next Wednesday night with our conference final predictions. The following podcast is a W2M Network original production. Visit W2Mnet.com for all of our other great podcasts, plus news, reviews, articles, and opinions from the worlds of wrestling, video games, football, and entertainment. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.